This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. Mark is out uh, for the time being. We are expecting to see him in the studio at some point tonight. Uh, from what I understand, he is out at a fireman training situation, kind of a seminar or something like that. I guess he has signed up for the volunteer fire department in the town in which he lives, and his has gone. I guess he they require two Tuesday night training classes, so he is out at that at the moment. Well, it's I think it's interesting, and I know Mark had mentioned he had thought about joining the volunteer fire department. So I'll be interested right. to see what he does with the. Uh, the money, because volunteer firefighters, I know, do still get paid at least when they're uh, on actual emergency calls. So generally, it's not very much in New Hampshire. It's like seven to eight dollars an hour for when you're actually at a fire. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see. Hopefully, Mark will give that back, given that he's he's he was going to sue the town that he lives in. Well, he's in the pro. I mean, he has a court date coming up. I think the twenty. I've heard he's going to back out. Really? Yeah. Then the reason is that um, according to what they've told him, now I don't know if they're telling the truth or not, but according to what they told him, if he goes through with the process of suing the town, then if he loses, which he's probably going to lose, if he loses, he then has to pay the fees, the lawyer's fees for the town. Well, I mean, that that is usually when you lose a lawsuit, you, <laughs> even if you don't get countersued, you end up paying court costs, if, yeah. especially if the judge were to feel that it was a frivolous lawsuit. Which, well, this, is, this would be court costs plus uh, the lawyer's fees, which could be oh. who knows how much money. So you'd actually have to pay the town's attorney to litigate against of, you. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's... That's not that uncommon, but and I don't think the judges would have been too sympathetic to Mark's case. Right. Well, it, it would make more sense in a uh, a true third party arbitrator where they uh, the judge isn't on the same team as the defense, and then you know at that point then whoever the loser is would have to pay. That would make sense. But in the government system, you can't challenge the state. Otherwise, if you lose, you're going to have to pay them. For the privilege of being able to challenge them in the first place. Right, uh, right. Uh, you know, so I, I could see why that would give him second thoughts. Well, I don't yeah, know imagine what attorney's how many fees would be. Yeah, well, well, attorney's fees are usually at least a couple hundred bucks an hour. So, and the guy could bill for who, for whatever he wanted, basically, right? Because, I mean, if the attorney over there says, well, I worked for a hundred hours preparing for this case, how are you going to be able to prove otherwise? Isn't it just his word? They'd have to just take his word? Oh, yeah, okay. Sure. Well, it, it seems like they would take an attorney's word because judges are former attorneys by and large. And they're all buddy-buddy together. I mean, right. this, this is the town attorney in a town of like 2,000 people. Uh, I mean, $10,000, please. Then you've just paid your property taxes for 10 years right there. Right. Except right, then so. they'll charge you property taxes 10 more years after that because you're not actually paying property taxes. You're just paying for the court costs. Right. So what a mess. Yeah, certainly I could see how that wouldn't work out. And it's probably – I can see how it wouldn't be worth the risk for Mark uh, or right. anybody right now anyway. It doesn't seem – his original idea behind his lawsuit, I like the idea. He wanted to get answers about property taxes, uh, answers to questions that are similar to the questions that I'm actually in the process of asking uh, the city of Keene bureaucrats, 
questions about the nature of government and uh, where property taxes, you know, supposedly get their oblig, where do we get the obligation to pay them and things like that. And it would seem to me that if they want to get money from us, then it would make sense for them to answer those questions. I don't. I never really saw a reason to actually bring it to a courtroom situation in order to get the answers from them. Right. Well, you are suing them, and that's going to that's gonna piss them off, number one, because yeah. they don't like to be sued. And number two, it is taxpayers who are bearing the cost of, of, the, of the town attorney if you actually win. So it's it's I don't know if a lawsuit's the best way to go about it because you simply can send them letters and ask them questions, and you may get the answers you're looking for. It hasn't worked out for me yet. I uh, sent my questions. They wrote back. They dodged every single one of them. I then wrote back, and with the taxpayers in mind, I wrote them an email the second time and uh, said that they can email me back. That way they don't have to pay for a stamp to write me back. So I'm really just I'm very concerned about the the taxpayers and them spending too much money. I'm already bothered that this poor woman's going to have to spend all this time answering my questions. Uh, but I do want to get my questions answered, and they did take my two thousand dollars from me, my twenty six hundred dollars. So I I figured they can at the very least answer some of my questions. And I called her today, by the way. I uh, called to follow How up. How did that go? Um, well, she didn't seem too happy to hear from me. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I started my call by saying that I was recording the call. Well, uh, that could piss somebody off. I could, people don't really like to feel like they're being recorded. Or Well, you know, this is all on the record, and I want right. to make sure that I document as much Some, of this as possible. She may have just felt that you were trying to trap her, whether you were or not. That right. I could see how if somebody t- called me and told me the call was being recorded, I might be a little bit edgy about it, sure. too. Sure, yeah, and she paused for a little while, and uh, then she went on, and she did say she received the email. That was the only purpose of my call, not to get her to answer a bunch of questions. I just wanted to make sure that she'd actually received the email that I sent to her. That way she couldn't, you know, say, oh, I didn't get it, because then I'd have to go and, you know, hand deliver a copy of it or something like that. But she got the email. I left it there. It was just a quick little phone call, and so now I'll give her a decent amount of time, you know, another month, basically, to uh, to respond. My original time period, I gave them a 45-day window to respond. They gave me 45 days on their property tax bill, and so I gave them 45 days to respond to all the questions that I had to ask. So we'll see. Will uh, August 15th come and go without any questions being answered? Will we have to take it to the next step where I contact this woman, this tax collector, and basically demand some sort of a meeting, some sort of in-person or over the phone, maybe she can answer my questions over the phone. We might start that way if she doesn't want to do that. Maybe come down to the, the tax collector's office with some cameras and some activists. Who knows? I'm willing to step this up as necessary to get these answers because they're questions that really we just don't have very good answers to. Well, I mean, the most honest answer that they can give is simply that you have to pay because otherwise we'll throw you in a jail cell. Because we're going to hurt you. Right. We yeah. Basically, we say you have to pay. We being the government and the people. Will who they admit to being it. a violent gang, though? I mean, that is that's essentially going to be an admission well, that they're to some extent. From the letter that I I when you read it, saying what they had written back to you, it sounded like they had said they're granted authority under you know state statutory law. So basically, what they're saying is that the four hundred and something people at the state legislature told them they had the power to take other, you know, they're people who live in right. their city. They had the power to take money from everyday citizens. If they answer it that way, I'll just keep asking more questions, see? Because if, if they want to use the legislative excuse, then I'll say, well, where did they get their power from? And in fact, I've already asked a, a similar question to that. How, how exactly did the legislator get this authority in order to grant it to you in the first place? Oh, well, they got it from the voters. 
well, aren't the voters a uh, aren't they consenting? Aren't they part of this whole consensual idea that the government is by the consent of the governed and instituted for their benefit and that at any time they may abolish well, it at, as, at their whim, essentially? Well, I think some people, when they hear the term consent of the governed, the way they think about it is consent of most of the governed. Mm. I mean, some people <laughs> will even, even say that it has to be a supermajority of the governed. But the idea of unanimous consent or the consent of each individual within society, I think that throws some people off. They might they might hold contradictory views, which I've run into quite often, where they believe that if a majority passes a law or wants to t- raise new taxes, they have the power to do that, but the individual has to consent and at the same time follow the will of the majority, which contradicts itself. So there's, I think there's a lot of contradictions. That's in why some it's going to be very idea. hard for them to answer right, the question because they don't want to admit that democracy is a is a forceful redistributive system. But yeah, they don't want to be associated with the violence. That's what uh, our, fr- our friend Sam from the Obscured Truth Network has been finding. And uh, from what I understand, he's going to be back in court sometime tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll get an update from him. But these bureaucrats, for the most part, they. Uh, certainly consider themselves nice people like they've got families and they i'm sure treat their families very nice most of them i'm sure some of them are very angry people but a lot of them smile and they're nice people and they're just doing a job they're trying to make money and and many of them have never heard the idea that even democratic violence is still violence i mean a lot of people just haven't heard that idea so it's hard to hold it too much against them if they're just ignorant of the whole idea of liberty. Right. Are they just a cog in the system, or are they one of the people that is actively, you know, somebody that knows that they're a gang member? More coming back. You can take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on our site, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Those features include live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, both free for you. Freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It is an amazing movement of over 20,000 liberty-loving activists all moving to New Hampshire in order to concentrate the uh, their liberty activism in one place to achieve liberty in our lifetime. And uh, I am a Free State Project member. Nick, you are... Were you a friend of the Free State Project or completely oblivious to it? I don't recall what you I think at this point I'm a... Uh, um, I don't know if I was ever a friend of the Free State Project. I'm, there was a new category they made that was just symbolic called a Free State Project Pioneer. Oh, really? Which is basically for people who were here beforehand but either didn't sign up or for some reason couldn't sign up, like me, there right. was supposedly an age restriction, and New Hampshire was chosen prior to the, you know, the vote happened prior to my turning 18, so I wasn't able to sign up either way. It was kind of a catch-22, and I think there were a handful of people in the same kind of vote, so they made up some title for us since we couldn't join <laughs> and we, we, you know, we didn't want to be just non-members. So, uh, well, but I'm not really, a, I'm not a Free State Project member as such. Right, you are one of the uh, the many liberty-oriented people who are already here in New Hampshire, and so the twenty thousand will be in addition to 
those people who are already here. There have already been several hundred people who have moved. Uh, we want you to go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the Free State Project. Of course, also, we talk a lot about it here on this show. So inevitably, as you continue to listen, you'll hear more about it. Once again, that's freestateproject.org. Uh, we're talking about the... Government bureaucrats, at least here where we are, we're going to be asking a bunch of questions to them, questions they don't want to answer necessarily, questions like, you know, what is the state of New Hampshire factually? What is the city of Keene? Where did you get your authority from exactly? And just ask them some very, very baseline questions to try to understand what exactly this group of people is claiming to be. Are they, as their documents claim, a group of people doing business voluntarily? It certainly doesn't seem that way. All the evidence points to them being an, you know, an armed gang of people uh, doing business at the threat of violence. Now, the run-of-the-mill bureaucrats certainly aren't armed for the most part, but they have their armed gang members that are willing to enforce their laws at the threat of violence. Uh, they're called the police. So are they an armed gang threatening people? as most people believe that they are, or is it really a consensual-based process? Is there something we've all missed, that we've all consented somehow into this system? That's what I want to know for sure. I want to know exactly what it is we're dealing with, and we'll find out over time whether these bureaucrats want to answer questions. Now, from time to time, I have actually uh, traded emails with uh, a local bureaucrat here in Keene, New Hampshire. His name is Fred, Fred Parcells. He's a former city councilor, former... uh, law enforcement officer, former detective on the police squad. He is now, I believe, working as a bureaucrat for the housing department in town. So, you know, kind of career bureaucrat, guy inside the system. And despite the emails that we've sent back and forth to one another, private emails sent back and forth, despite the time that I've actually spent sitting in a radio studio with Fred, talking with him about these freedom, liberty-oriented issues, he still doesn't seem to get it. And let me share a couple emails uh, from him, and maybe, Nick, you can chime in with what you think about what he has to say. And, of course, you guys are welcome to dial in, too, at 800-259-9231 to talk about anything. But Fred emails uh, to ask about the North Oaks, Minnesota situation, because I mentioned it on the air on the local radio show recently. North Oaks, Minnesota, as we talked about a couple weeks back on Free Talk Live, is a private... Well, it's not 100% private. It's kind of a weird little place. Do you, were you here when we talked about no, that? No, I'm not familiar with this story. This is uh, one city in the United States, and there may be more, but one for sure that we know of, where the government actually claims on its own website that it doesn't own any property. I mean, that, that on its own, pretty stunning, that a government wouldn't own any buildings, doesn't own any roads... The property owners actually own the road out in front of their houses. So this is kind of one of the ideas I'd just thrown out there about how we could transfer from government roads to privately run roads. Well, is, be- it, is it completely privately owned or is it private property with a town, city right of way there, across it? Because that's uh, one way they get around not confiscating property. The entire, the entire North Oaks is essentially a private community. Uh, in that the entire thing is privately owned. But, of course, there are deed restrictions involved where if you go and you purchase a property in North Oaks, you're going to be signing an agreement that specifies and stipulates you will be a member of the North, North Oaks Homeowners Association. So, essentially, the property owners do own the roads in front of their homes, but in tandem with the agreement with the North Oaks Homeowners Association. 
So that's what I was talking about recently on the radio, just to give an example of a real-life situation where the government actually doesn't own the roads and everything's okay. Like, from what I've seen, the pictures of North Oaks, the roads are in just fine shape. Uh, of course, to be fair, it is kind of an upper-crust community of 4,500 people, so inevitably they can afford all these things. But it still stands as an ex- as an example of truly private roads in a in a community where there's still this uh, concept of a government hanging around. So, Fred emails, and he says, I was looking at the North Oaks website. True enough, the streets, roads in this formerly gated community are owned by the property owners. But did you read that everyone is required to belong to the homeowners association and pay for maintenance? How is that different than government? Also, the local government provides police services, etc. I don't think that this community is quite the utopia that you would have had the hosts of the show believe. There are costs attached, and there doesn't seem to be any way around said costs. Apparently, you either sign a contract with a homeowners association, or you can't live there. That Now that's freedom, says Fred. And uh, I was not trying to represent North Oaks as a utopia in any way, nor did I ever claim that they didn't have a government. And there is a clear difference. And this is the thing that he just hasn't quite gotten. The idea that there's a difference between entering into an agreement explicitly and contracting where it's all written out for you and you sign on the line and you've you've read it, you understand what it is that you're getting into. He doesn't understand the difference between that, which is what's going on in North Oaks. Now, admittedly, you're not necessarily signing an agreement with the government, though. Who knows? In the Homeowners Association, there may be a stipulation that says you'll, you know, you'll obey the government of, of North Oaks as well. So that might actually be explicit in North Oaks. But he doesn't get the difference between having an explicit agreement when you move in somewhere to agree to do certain things, as in deed restrictions or homeowners associations, versus this government thing, which nothing whatsoever is explicit in any way, shape, or form. And you're forced to abide by whatever arbitrary rules people that you have not necessarily anything to do with or know in any way come up with for you. And that's that's the disconnect here. And right. you, at least you have the freedom to choose whether or not you want to sign the document saying you joined the Homeowners Association. Fred's argument, as he will point out here, basically hinges on the fact that, well, I chose to move to Keene. And so because I chose to move to Keene, New Hampshire, therefore I was tacitly agreeing to all of the absurd rules and regulations and laws that this government, uh, these government people claim are somehow attached to me because of it. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those on us. And uh, the features, by the way, include the wiki, over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive there. It's totally free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. And it's the cure for naked, jumptees.com. Go get funny, sexy, clever t-shirts at jumptees.com. Don't go through life naked. Get jumped at jumptees.com. 
pants not included. JumpTees.com is not responsible for customers not wearing pants. That's JumpTees.com. Our number here is 1-800-259-9231. Talking about the difference between government and how they operate versus private associations, specifically in the uh, the realm of homeowners associations. I've been having a conversation with one particular bureaucrat here in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show from, uh, talking about th- uh, what that difference is. And the, the bureaucrat, nice guy as, as he is, and he is a nice, nice guy. I've had lunch with the, the man, Fred Parcells, former city councilor. He's just so, so indoctrinated uh, and deep into the system that he just can't even see that there's a significant difference between consenting to an agreement that's explicit and this sort of fantasy idea that well when you move to uh when you move to a place you're automatically consenting and agreeing to all of the laws that are on the books and i'm sorry that was not something that i specifically agreed to when i moved to keen have you ever seen anything like this, uh, Nick? Have you ever seen anybody actually sign a form that, that specifies what it is they're getting into when they, they join this area known as a government? Uh, no, I do believe that when you move to a state quite often, when you register to vote, there can be statements it's that true. you'll obey the laws of the state. That's a good point. And um, there was indeed uh, on the voter registration form here in New Hampshire when I signed it, they did have that statement. But I crossed that sucker out. Yeah, and just because they're offering it in exchange for voting, what right do they have to hold back voting privileges just because you exactly. might not agree with – even if there's just one minor law out there that you disagree with you're, and don't intend to follow, that means you're not allowed to vote. If that was yeah. actually applied, then – It'd be unconstitutional. No, right. right, and basically no one would vote. <laughs> so so let me go on real quick here. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. But just to finish up the emails here from Fred. So he's trying to uh, trying to catch me. He's trying to show show me that I was wrong all, all along and that uh, the city of North Oaks, Minnesota, it's not a utopia. Uh, they, they have private roads there. The owners of the property actually own the roads out in front of their houses. And he, he was suggesting, and I was giving that up as an example of some sort of government-free utopia. Not at all. There's a government in North Oaks, and there's a homeowner's association, which... I am not so interested in being involved in one of those things. I don't like the idea of having the people down the street from me being able to have a say in what my property is like. So North Oaks, not an ideal for me, not even something I'm well, looking towards My guess to is it's, it's a group of re- relatively rich people who yes. want to make sure they live in a neighborhood that's, uh, you know, up to the stand- their rather conceited standards <laughs> that they probably have. And, right, they've and- got their paint selections. You can only paint your house so many colors, and you have to have, you know, the bushes can only be so high and stuff like that. Right, but, I mean, if that's the way they want to live, at least they have the option of living in an association with other people who want to live in that environment, too. So it probably makes for a lot more harmony than if they were living with neighbors next door who lived in a trailer. That exactly. can cause some tension. So. Well, and when everybody is in agreement, then you have a harmonious situation. And that's fine. Those people in North Oaks all consented explicitly to go there and obey those rules. And they know the process to change them. There's a homeowners association. They've got meetings. They can get elected to that. They can change the rules if they want to. They all agreed in advance. When I moved to Keene, or when you move to wherever it is you've moved to, you never agreed to any of that stuff. You never agreed to a government's the government laying out its rules and uh, asking for you to sign well, something. There's no way you could 
even know all of the rules, exactly. most likely, unless you spent weeks or months reading. They don't even reading know. through the tomes of law. If you ask them their this, you know, certain questions, they they will reveal to you. The police they'll reveal. They don't even know all their laws. So how could one of us, who is not a professional government bureaucrat, who doesn't have eight hours a day to read through the tomes, how could one of us possibly uh, even physically agree? To obey, by, uh, to obey whatever laws they come out with. And, of course, they're always adding new ones every single year. So how, There's no way you could. Right. So, so I went back to Fred and I said, Fred, it's 100% consensual in North Oaks versus coerced. The residents knew exactly what they were getting into when they decided to move in. And Fred writes back. He says, so did you and everyone else with the Free State Project that chose to move to Keene and New Hampshire. Oh, excuse me. So did you. Uh, he says, you knew that we paid taxes on our properties to support services. The problem with North Oaks is they pay taxes and an association fee on top of that. That's no bargain to me. But now I'm left to wonder why the Free State Project doesn't move to North Oaks. As you can see that Fred is, there's kind of the, a hidden suggestion that Fred wishes the Free State Project had chosen another state. Well, yeah, I think that's evident. <laughs> but um, there is no free area in the world, really. No. Every part of the land and most of the sea is claimed by one government or another. Right. They claim to have the right to tell you how to live and take your income and do whatever they want. Right. So the Free State Project chose New Hampshire based on the fact that the government people in New Hampshire were less ubiquitous than government people elsewhere, amongst other reasons. There's, I think, less government people per regular people in New Hampshire than any other place. Well, and I think you can make the argument that if you take New Hampshire or many states in the United States and compare them to the world as a whole... The impact of government, at least the government that exists, yeah. what it feels it can regulate about your life is much more limited than in many other parts of the world. So at least you have that. You kind of have to pick which area that a government claims and, y- you know, you don't have the choice of a free area. If we if, did, we'd be there. I'm pretty right, sure of it. Right. But there, <laughs> that area doesn't exist. It would have been a no-brainer. There wouldn't have had to been a, a vote of this, which state to move to. It would have just been, oh, there's a place with no government people. Let's go there. Uh, but as it is, New Hampshire was as close as we could get. And just because you move to a new place doesn't in any way obligate you to anything. I've yet to be, No one has ever really explained to me how that could possibly be the case. So I said to Fred, well, sure. I know there are property taxes, but they are coerced and not consensual, from what I can tell. And that's what's going to change. The voluntary society is coming. And I asked him then if he, uh, I asked him if he saw Sam's video that we announced over the weekend at freekeen.com. And one of the things about Fred is he never answers my questions. Like, I always answer his questions very nicely, but I can never get an answer out of him. So he, he never answered that question. He came back with this. He says, their association membership and accompanying dues is equally coerced. If that is the term you want to use, well, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. I I can see an argument that if you you didn't have an option to move somewhere that wasn't under one association or another, you could end up, assuming you're under a market paradigm, but everywhere ends up under an association, which is very unlikely. But But let's go with it for a hypothetical. If you didn't have an option, say, anywhere in North America to move where there's not a homeowners association, you it, it could function in a way similar to government. It's but true. that's a very unlikely scenario because homeowners associations have to be formed unanimously. 
Right. You, there's no vote. Let's say <laughs> you the, can't vote someone in if they don't want to play right. along. Let's just say the the people of Keene decide that they want to. You know, we get rid of government road ownership, and you have the option of joining this homeowners association that's created. Not everyone is going to do it, so not everyone's going to be subject to the homeowner association rules. And I I don't. To be honest, I think there's a lot of people who don't want to live in associations. I like you, yeah. Ian. I I really. Don't want anybody to tell me what to do with a piece of property that I own. I imagine most liberty-minded people right. have that similar mindset, and most people in general, I, I think. So I don't know, well, most people. It's hard to say. It yeah, it is. It really is. Depends on the economic strata, I guess. Uh, certainly, it's very popular with some people out there. Anyway, he says so. They can't live in that town unless they belong and pay dues. Similarly, you cannot live in Keene unless you pay taxes. How is that different from no, uh, from North Oaks? So again, Fred grappling with uh, understanding the difference between a consensual community versus a coercive community. And that's what the difference is, and that's what we're trying to change. We want people to be able to consent and to volunteer into things and not have weapons pointed at them. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show. Bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, then support the show by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, from electronics to books to office products, they've got it all. 41 categories or actually maybe more than that at this point, to shop in, and used items are included. So whatever it is that you add to your cart, if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, you can feel good because you're getting the stuff that you want, you're getting it delivered to your door, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Talking about the voluntary society versus the coercive society. Today we live in a coercive society where men and women calling themselves government are more than happy to steal your car from you, throw you out of your own home, and put you in a cold, dark prison cell if you don't obey their every single diktat. And I'm trying to make this clear to a uh, a current bureaucrat in the system, Fred Parcells, here in the Keene, New Hampshire area, as we've been trading emails back and forth, have attempted to make it clear to him, uh, but he, he isn't quite really getting the difference. And we're comparing the difference between a, a little city called North Oaks in Minnesota, where every bit of property is actually privately owned. Now, there is still a government there, people calling themselves government, but the property itself is privately owned. And the people that move to North Oaks have to consent explicitly to a certain set of rules and strictures in order for them to live there. Well, as far as the roads and the homeowners association goes, that's true. But there is still a government that simply collects taxes, correct? It's true. And they, uh, as Fred points out, they do cover, you know, the government handles the police and the fire and sort of the, the other typical government things that don't in- involve roads, which, of course, most people think government has to handle. And so that's why North Oaks is such an interesting example, because it shows that government isn't necessary to take care of roads. That's the only reason I brought it up, but it, now it's led into this uh, lengthy discussion about what is voluntary and what's coercive. 
And so Fred goes on with his email here, and we'll take a call here in relation to this in a moment. But he says, well, how come these North Oaks people, how come their dues don't cover police, fire, etc.? Fred says there will never be a voluntary society, because I said there will be a voluntary society. So, you know, no reason to be so negative, Fred. Why uh, why so negatory on this? Uh, why shouldn't there be a voluntary society? Well, he thinks it's because, as people, we're too decadent or self-absorbed to be concerned about the guy next door. Well, actually, it seems like the reason why we have governments is because people are too damned concerned about the guy next door. So I can't say I agree with that either. Anyway, Fred says, as, as I have also told you, the Free State Project is too disjointed, leaderless, and without any realistic thoughts. Well, number one, the Free State Project is intended to be leaderless. It's intended to be a decentralized movement of activists that come here to New Hampshire and get active in the ways they think is best. Some people believe working within the system is the best way to freedom. Those guys are doing that kind of work in Concord and other places like that. Some people believe that uh, civil disobedience, non-cooperation is going to be much more effective. And we're seeing a lot of that out here in the, in the Keene area. And other people believe different things like getting into the media or doing other market-based activism uh, will make a difference. And that's one of the things that's so attractive about the Free State Project is that it's not this sort of centralized command and control setup where there's one authority authoritarian body handing down orders to their members. Well, the, the purpose of the, I mean, the Free State Project's goal is simply to get 20,000 liberty activists to move to the state of New Hampshire. And what they do once they get here, as long as it's, you know, nonviolent, is up to them. So they can go with politics or civil disobedience or, you know, education and outreach or simply just talking to their neighbors. I mean, there's there's a lot of different routes you can take as far as promoting liberty and the Free State Project leaves that decision up to the people who move. It's one of the best things about it because it allows for this decentralized, um, this, this decentralized version of activism where if you don't like what somebody is doing with their activism, well, go and do something else. You don't have to spend your time and energy trying to, for instance, as the Republican Liberty Caucus is doing or the Libertarian Party, some of their former activists are trying to do, trying to retake back the reins of control over this organization that you disagree with. Just go and do your own thing. Start your own organization and compete with them if you don't like what they're doing. And that's what we've seen happen. When one uh, person comes up with a disagreement uh, with another who might be in the same group, they split off and they do their own thing and other people People are attracted to the offshoot group, and we're seeing that happen over and over again, and it's, it's working very well. But for people like Fred that are, uh, again, indoctrinated into this centralized command and control mentality, it doesn't compute. He doesn't understand how an organization without a strong leader can possibly be successful in its goals. And, of course, the goal of the Free State Project, and I'm pulling this from memory, so paraphrasing, is to make it so that the maximum role of government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's a stated purpose. So you can be a minarchist who believes in, in government, which I would label myself a minarchist, right. or you can be somebody who believes in total markets. Right. But you, you simply can't be somebody who believes that the government needs to basically manage society and manage the economy and, and do things which aren't there to protect rights to life, liberty, and property. Anything beyond that is just statism. So once again, Fred continues. He says, so far, the only one in Keene who sought elected office is Miss Julia. Of course, uh, co-hosts the show with us from time to time here. He says, where are the rest of you? When I want to change something, I get involved. Complaining is easier, but it doesn't accomplish the goal. So once again, Fred is living in this kind of uh, fishbowl of, of 
the world of Keen and doesn't really understand that there are political Free State Project activists out there. A lot of them are in the Concord and Manchester areas doing a lot of political activism. Well, uh, yeah, dozens and, of them are running for office this right. year. And there, there, I, yeah, a few dozens. It's, I know there's a mix of native New Hampshire people running as who, who got active with the Ron Paul thing, as well as Free State Project members. Um, so, and maybe people who just moved to the state who aren't technically Free State Project members either. So you have quite a mix of people, but there is definitely a political dimension to it, and um, it, it could just be that Fred's not looking beyond Keene. And right. he also and it's has hard to realize that not everybody, just because they're interested in changing what the role of government ought to be or getting rid of government and moving to a different way of organizing society, that doesn't mean that everybody's interested in running for office. Certainly you, not. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a liberal activist or a conservative activist, generally speaking, you're only interested in running for office and right. running people's lives in a liberal or conservative way. And I'm using conservative in the in the modern meaning. Some people argue that it means sure. limited government. But so it, it's a little bit different than other political philosophies because other political philosophies are about how to best run other people's lives through the state. And the philosophy of liberty is about leaving people alone. And the only reason to get involved in the process of politics at all is to limit how the the extent of that process. How much abuse? Yeah. Right. Well, so. and so so what Fred doesn't understand is that there's this whole other movement of activism that's outside the political realm that uh, is composed of a lot of people that just don't give any credence whatsoever to the political system or the government. You know, Fred believes that everyone is within this system, and therefore, if they want to change the system, they must work within the rules of the system. And some of the activists have just said, screw that. I mean, we've seen what the Libertarian Party's been trying to do. They've been trying to work within the system for three-plus decades and have gotten little to no results out of it. Out of all their efforts, have gotten virtually nowhere. So they've decided to go at change from a different direction and come at it from different market-based angles. Some people are going to go out and they're going to compete with the government in different areas. Some people are going to, again, not cooperate with the government. And it bothers the government people like Fred, who they want to see their system honored. They want you to get involved in it. And these people don't want to do that. And it really grinds at them. And one of the people that is uh, is kind of the outside the system or market-based activist is uh, Sam from Texas, who we bring on the program from time to time to update us on his adventures in legal land. You're one of those people, Sam, that isn't interested in consenting to the system. And that, that really bugs people like Fred. Well, I, I don't even know that it's, I'm not interested in consenting. I just I don't see it as legitimate in any way. And uh, I'm not going to lend my uh, time or money to a, a system that I don't believe in. Um, but I, I wanted to say I've been listening to this, and Fred's argument here is really, really weak. And here's why. I mean, he's, he, he's got you guys kind of cornered here because he's focusing on uh, move, people that move to Keene where there is some level of choice involved. Right. But that's now, his back, best argument. That's all he's got pretty much. Yeah. So now back in the 1800s, um, if I was born black on a plantation, then that meant that I was born into servitude. There would be a slave master who would set all the rules for me who would tell me, you know, what job I'm going to have, how, what my working hours would be, where I'm going to live, all of these things that basically controlled over and set the parameters of my life. So what does Fred think about people who are born in Keene? Are they, are, are they free to sign a contract, or do they have to, uh, are they just automatically 
squatted into this. Needle. Yeah, were they were they born into bondage? It's an excellent question, and I want to hang on to you if you don't mind, Sam. We'll uh, okay. bring you back here an hour or two to continue the discussion and also hear from you at the toll-free SACL CAI call in line, 800-259-9231. Is this a government by the consent of the governed, or is it something else? More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We launch here in hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We bring Sam back on the line in Texas, talking about the nature of consent and what it takes to actually consent to something. Uh, the people who believe in government, uh, people like uh, Fred Parcells, who is a uh, government bureaucrat here in the Keene, New Hampshire area, people uh, like, that believe in the government believe that there's no real explicit consent necessary, that uh, just by moving into an area, one is automatically consenting to obey all of the absurd and arbitrary diktats of those who claim to be governments. But Sam, not only did you want to address that point, but you were also going to get to a point about, well, what about the people that didn't move in? What about the people that were born in whatever uh, specific geographical political designation it is we're talking about, whatever city uh, it is that you live in? The bureaucrats will claim the same thing wherever you are. So what was your point that you were trying to make before we had to go to the news break there? Well, I, I've read this or listened to this audio book by Frederick Douglass, who was a slave who stood up to his slave masters and basically told them no. And that book drew some very, very powerful corollaries between the struggle and the things that he stood up against and the way government treats us. I, I've really come to see government as the new slave masters. Now, they're, they're certainly much nicer slave masters. We don't mm-hmm. the plantations much much bigger. We right. You wouldn't want the, the slaves. Country. You wouldn't want the slaves to actually figure out they're slaves. You won't want yeah. them to figure out they're living on a big plantation. And you get to go around and pick where you want to work, but you do still have to, just like Frederick had to take money back to his master. You know, he would earn three dollars and he would go back and give that to his slave master and he would give him maybe a nickel or a dime. Right. In this case, the slave masters are going to kick me out of my slave housing if I don't pay them what they call property taxes. Or if you work in a normal job, they take 50 percent of your money. 
right off the bat before. Mm. Now, see, that's one of the other things. They've, they've taken the process of actually me having to go and give that money and hand it over voluntarily away from me, and they just do it before I ever get the chance, and they've threatened all the companies into following these rules. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's also... Um, Let's see, there was a guy named Mr. Covey in this book by Frederick Douglass. Uh, Mr. Covey was the, the guy who would break the bad slaves. When your slave mm. started acting up, when he started getting out of line and getting these ideas like, hey, I think I should learn to read, which, by the way, that was against the law because they didn't want the slaves reading. They would understand, hey, this isn't right, and uh, they would seek freedom. Right. Uh, they would go, and that's the same way the courts work. Now, the courts, they don't, they, they don't forbid us to read, but they sure have made up their own language that the average citizen doesn't understand and makes it incapable of him you know, to go in and defend himself. Yeah, it's called legalese. And, uh, they're willing to force you into contracts that you don't understand or consent to, just like the slaves. Um, let's see. So really, Fred is one of the, is, is the modern-day Mr. Covey. He's where the bad <laughs> slaves go to get broken, and to learn to respect the authority of the state. Now, granted, there are people who are violent who, you know, should be responded to, I think, with violence in order to to stop their actions, their harming of another person. But that's not good enough for Fred. He really has to break the people. And I I say this because I, I heard a comment on his radio show where, he said something about Russell Canning riding his bike, and ha-ha, he decided to follow the laws. And that's right. because with, with police, um, winning is so, so important to them because they're right. And if they're right, they always have to win. And what this means is... Hmm, Think about it for one moment. Actually, let me have you call back because your line's getting kind of iffy, and I want to have you just dial right back in and see if we can clear that up. Is that all right? Let me just switch to a landline real quick. Okay, just call me back. Okay. All right. So we're going to continue this conversation here uh, in a moment, but I liked where he was going with the the question of, well, if Fred is claiming that one consents to the rules of the government people by simply moving into a geographical designation – then how do you handle the question, and this is good because I've never actually asked this of Fred, and, and maybe uh, maybe Sam or somebody or myself can call when Fred's on his radio show and ask him these questions on the spot. But, because that's really the only way to get an answer out of Fred, because he'll never answer your questions via email. So the question is, what about somebody who was born here? What about somebody who was born where you live? Did they consent? At what point did they uh, opt in to the system. They didn't get the choice to be born. And they're subject to the laws from the moment they're they're born. I mean, there right. have been young children charged with crimes. Sure have. So, so how does all, all of that work, exactly? Does that is that an argument to say that, well, everyone really is truly a slave? Is that, you know, the, the idea that if you were born somewhere, you have to obey these people calling themselves government? Isn't that exa- an exact argument to prove that there really is still slavery today? We're back, I, th- I think, with more Sam. Sam, are you there? I'm here. Sorry All right. About that. Okay, so where I was going to with um, talking about Fred, for him, right and wrong is determined Right and wrong is is just so important to him or to, I think, most police officers. And for him, right or wrong is determined by what the government says, because people like Fred, I guess, don't believe they're capable or smart enough 
to uh, decide what's right and wrong all on their own. Well, they can't create their own system of morals. They have to rely on what someone else has said. Right. And, you know, as a former slave master, um, (laughs) he, he believes in the other slave masters and their authority and that's the right way to do it because that's what he dedicated his life to, uh, to going out and creating. So, uh, so again, we will continue to, uh, to pressure these bureaucrats to get answers to our questions because if they want to claim that I'm a slave, I would like for them to out and out just go ahead and let it be known. I want to make that very crystal clear. Yeah, and then I think people will begin to see that that is what's happening here, and they will, just like they did in the 1800s, seek something different. And that's what you've uh, started the process of doing with your activism down in Texas. Uh, And, of course, you are going to be moving that activism here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, which, of course, we discussed uh, is a movement of 20,000 liberty-loving activists here to New Hampshire to concentrate our activism to achieve liberty in our lifetime. And and this really bothers people like Fred. And and if, uh, you know, people like Fred, they have to come to the understanding that, well, only more people are going to be moving here. There's not going to be less people coming here over time. Year after year, the amount of people moving to New Hampshire for more liberty is going to get greater and greater. And the level of frustration that these uh, career bureaucrats are going to have with what's going to happen is going to get higher and higher. So either Fred and the people like him will have to learn about liberty begrudgingly and come to understand what it's all about and and learn how to honor their neighbor's choices, or they're going to have to leave because they're not going to like it here. I don't think they realize the position that they're in today. Um, I don't think they realize that we're going to go out and just live free, and they're going to have two choices. They can either crack down, which is going to attract more people. I mean, it was hearing about Lauren Canario's story and how she was getting arrested and hauled off to jail and refusing to participate. That really got me involved and made me really, truly start thinking about signing up for the Free State Project and moving up there. Yeah, it was one of the things that got me excited, too. There's no doubt about that. And I know that uh, for a fact that the, the, the activism you're doing, you aren't even here in New Hampshire yet, is really getting people jazzed and excited about coming here. Good. Or the other choice is they crack down, and then they look like authoritarian thugs, and the, the Wait, same result. I thought that was your first choice, was the crackdown. Oh, down. yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, the, uh, the other choice is to ignore it, in which case yeah. people say, hey, that looks really cool. Let's go do some of that. And right. it just grows and gets bigger. Yep, and then their power will just sort of wither away over time. And, if, and I, I expect that'll be what we'll see happen. I hope they don't go with the crackdown option, because I, I really don't want to end up in an internment camp. Uh, and, and I don't really feel like it's going to go that way, even though the negative Nancys out there will say, well, that's what's, uh, that's what's going to happen. Y'all are going to end up in jail. Well, isn't it possible that this time could be different, Sam? I think so. I mean, if you look at the jails, the way they're set up today, what is the uh, inmate to um, guard ratio? How many, how many prisoners, prisoners would it take refusing to participate in the system and teaching others to do the same before the whole thing comes crashing down? Right, because if you end up getting put behind bars, then you can just evangelize liberty and non-cooperation to the people who are already there. Not that you can really ex- Well, not that you can expect them to jump on board, but they'll listen, and maybe they'll consider it for the future. Sam, thanks as always for uh, the call tonight. We appreciate the discussion. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI line for you. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control. 
control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go click and download right there on the front page of freetalklive.com. Also, download Nick's show, Free Minds TV. Though you can't really download the episodes of Free Minds TV, you can download the episodes of Free Minds Radio at freemindstv.com. TV show you do you can watch on YouTube, and yep. you can watch all of them for free, which is great. Yeah, we try to give the content away because it gets it out to more people than if we try to charge for it. So, How has the radio show been going? You guys been picking up some new listeners from that? Uh, we have. It's been growing steadily. We've been picking up some people on Stickam, and I don't know. It's hard to judge how many people are listening on the Free Talk live stream because we are on there on Sundays. So You're probably getting more people via the podcast, I would imagine. I, I would think so. Yeah, it's, so. It's just harder to get people to tune in live. Especially on a Sunday in the middle of the day. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an odd, it's an odd time, but the, the plus side is it doesn't conflict with other shows. So but you guys, looking. you guys cover some, uh, some liberty issues that we never have a chance to get to here on Free Talk Live. And, of course, it's you and your uh, co-host, Toby, and different viewpoints, uh, a, a, a pro-liberty content, and it's uh, it's TV, which is cool, because you guys put a lot of effort into that, and so people definitely should check it out at freemindstv.com. It's not like a radio show where you can just roll in, get out of bed, come downstairs, flip on a microphone, and do do the program. No, it's definitely, TV is definitely a lot more set up in, in terms of what, for a half an hour show, takes a lot more work, because radio show, you just turn on the equipment right. and do a sound check, and you're good to go. So, But how cool that there are enough uh, activists here in the area that you can staff a, a once-a-week kind of a TV show, and I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, that's one of those examples of that uh, outside-the-system, market-based activism that's going on here uh, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with politics, though you guys do cover political issues on the program. It's that, um, you know, that activism level that people can really get into into that makes a difference that people are paying close attention to people that don't even pay attention to politics will come across your show and if it's entertaining enough they'll stay on board they'll listen and they'll watch and and they'll learn things uh, about freedom so uh, freemindstv.com we continue with your calls coming up tonight still have to talk about a man who was arrested for photographing someone we'll tell you who he photographed and where this all went down. But first, we go to your calls about what you want. Sandy's on the line. Ladies first, calling from Alaska. Sandy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. I, I guess I was calling off subject. I apologize It's Free Talk that. Live. Sandy, you can call about anything. So it's your subject. What do you want to talk about? Okay. On here it says uh, Monday hours 1, 2, and 3, corrupt cops. Well, they're not all corrupt. No, Wait, they're not all corrupt. You're right about that. And sometimes he, he he did, you know, use a little force. But you've got to keep in mind, these people are out there, and they're at risk of being shot. Sometimes there's no backup. Sometimes it's just sure. insane. I understand and there are a lot, lot of, of times. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that they have to, they really have to take into consideration their their own personal safety. Sure, sure. I understand if you're dealing with violent criminals, then obviously you you need to be safe, and and that all makes sense, and they should be concerned about safety in those instances. However, uh, what we've seen is that there are a lot of cops that are put in the line of fire completely unnecessarily because they're out enforcing bad laws on people. They're uh, trying to arrest people for growing plants and uh, and and doing drugs and things. 
things like that. And in the midst of all those arrests, inevitably bullets uh, will fly. And we've seen cops getting killed. Whether they were corrupt or not, I don't know because they're dead. And we can't ask them and we can't uh, find that out. But they're dead and they didn't have to die. If it weren't for the war on drugs, those cops could still be alive out on the streets looking for rapists and murderers and things like that. And, you know, if the cops were out there doing uh, going after real criminals in that way, then I don't think very many people would have a problem with them. But the fact is they aren't. They are enforcing bad laws on innocent people who've never harmed another person in their lives. And for that, uh, we will continue to hold them accountable on this program, especially those who say one thing about what they believe, and that is that they want to enforce the war on drugs, while on the other hand, they are corrupt and they are out there stealing drugs and cash from drug dealers, and they are out there selling drugs on the street, and they are out there uh, doing all all manner of various different uh, scummy uh, corrupt activities and so the fact is those things do go on and that's what we uh, you know that's what we were talking about that night we weren't suggesting well, that all cops were that way sandy do go on yeah but you got to keep in mind i'm calling from alaska so we're, we're a little more liberal about you know plant life it's true you are up there <laughs> alaska is leading the way as far as recreational uh, possession is concerned that much is the case and yes, you deserve to be applauded every once in a while the feds do step in and try and make an example like to scare us or something, but that's not, you know, they're not, I mean, my dad was one, and he had, um, there were there were things he would talk about sometimes, like how he would meet people, like running into them or something, and everything, you know, he knew who to keep an eye out for and who, he just kind of worked the people, and that's pretty much what they have to do, but Alaska is such a small state, we don't have as big of a, a police force as everyone else. So a lot of times when they have the adrenaline going, a lot of times it's it's not that they want to, they're trying to kill someone or they really believe they are in a panic situation and they are, they are, Really, really believe sure. that they I, are I understand the mistakes. Mistakes can certainly be made, but when you've made the um, the decision in advance to go and arrest somebody for drugs, then you're making the decision to put yourself into a dangerous situation. Which I would like to see those cops just decide to not do that anymore well, and keep if, themselves if safe. If they're making it in advance. That means that they are going to have backup, which they shouldn't be in a situation where they they are panicking. They they have backup they know that they're going to have someone backing them up That's right but do you do you agree backup. that what they're doing there is wrong i understand you're talking about all these safety issues and yes i understand the cops want to be safe when they go and they arrest innocent people uh, you know, innocent. Well, they uh, arrest guilty people who do need to be arrested too. I mean, that right. But we're talking. So I'm talking specifically about the cases of drug dealers and uh, drug users and and things like that, where the criminals are nothing more than consenting adults who do not pose a threat to anyone whatsoever. Do you agree that well, that's wrong now, of them to do? Well, for the ones that are actually not posting any type of threat, yes. But we have mobile meth uh, places up here, sure, and sure. those people are. Posting a threat no, to everybody, really. especially because no, if they're mobile and they're cooking, yeah, they are. Well, I suppose you're you're suggesting that they could somehow uh, crash their vehicle and put someone in danger. Is that the idea? Yeah, not only that, but the the smoke that's coming from it. Yeah. A lot of, well, that's all a result, a uh, Sandy, that's all a result of the war on drugs, the reason why there are mobile meth labs. I mean, for instance, do you have you ever heard of a mobile aspirin factory? Okay. Well, that's because aspirin's legal, and you can manufacture it under quality-controlled conditions in a laboratory environment. And if we actually had uh, re-legalized drugs, then all but the I've methamphetamine could be made in a... I've never heard of hydroponics either. 
that's true. Uh, it'd be a, a little more difficult to do that on a mobile basis. Yeah, it could I, be done. I, I think a, a better parallel might be, say, Al Capone, as opposed to having Anheuser Busch distributing beer during Prohibition. We had Al gangsters. Capone and yeah. other, yeah, yeah, other gangsters who were bad people and did commit violent crimes. And I think that's the reason, you know, a lot of drug dealers are violent individuals too. Not all of them, but there are a number of them, especially at higher levels, that will employ well, violence be- as a result because- of. Well, go ahead. Well, that's because the drugs mean money. Right, and because it's, it's, it's illegal, see? Not, so not the, the solution, very oh. simple, is to re-legalize the drugs, and that'll take a significant portion of the profit incentive out. And I want to thank you for the call, Sandy. More coming up. You can take control. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free on the site, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. In Chapter 6, Subterranean, Tad Galahad goes to hell. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. Our number here, 800-259-9231. So just to recap briefly uh, for Sandy a few moments ago in Alaska, yes, not all cops are corrupt, but... The cops that are corrupt are corrupted because of the fact that there are products and services in the marketplace that have been prohi- uh, prohibited by the people calling themselves legislators, and that drives those products and services underground, therefore encouraging all manner of uh, various different scummy corrupted activities. In fact, Nick, you've got a story about police corruption. We'll get to that. It's going to be coming from the border, the southern border. Uh, We'll talk about that here in a moment, but your calls are primary, so we go first. Tom in Florida, who is on the line. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, Yes, uh, I wanted to comment on uh, the property tax situation. Certainly. And uh, actually, first I'd like to make a comment on what Sam was talking about. He talked about the, what about the slave born on the plantation? And, uh, you know, he, he fell under the jurisdiction of the slave owner. And then you drew the, the, the example of, well, how about somebody who was born, say, in Keene, right? Or wherever it is you are, yes. And whatever yeah. political designation uh, that, that the, the plot of land you are living on happens to be designated. Well, I think, kind of you have to look at the bigger picture. Somebody that was born in Keene was actually born under the jurisdiction and I know you guys are not really big on government, but actually they were born under the jurisdiction of the United States Constitution. And they were born within a state, which was part of the Federation. So therefore, you're, what you're saying is that consent is not actually a part of the process. Even though the government's own documents claim that government is by the consent of the governed, you're saying that's just not the case. No, I don't think you have to do anything that you don't consent to. And I think that they automatically assume that, you know, in other words, your silence means that you consent, but I think that if people are more vocal and say, hey, I don't have to do that, I can show you why. Let me read, let's read the state constitution, which has to be compliant with the federal constitution. So then, let's therefore, go over this together and I'll explain it to you. So then, therefore, what you're saying is that 
by birth, they are under the jurisdiction of the government until they so claim otherwise? No, I'm saying that under the Constitution, you're not constrained in any way unless you're committing a crime. So you're, you know, you're free. Okay, but they've, they've, they've named all kinds of different things as crimes. Well, those are bylaws and those are, those are um, uh, statute laws and they're not really even laws. Well, they believe their laws, like the well, cops believe their laws. Well, actually, let me cut to the point where I was going to talk about yeah. taxes. Uh, apparently, you know, when you deal with these people, um, they're, not, they're not worried about you because they have no liability. You said that, I forgot the other radio talk show, but apparently he's going to be liable for court costs and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, well, our, our co-host Mark uh, was considering suing the town that he lives right. in because of some property tax issue. He wanted to get a bunch of questions answered, and then he found out that if he lost the case, he'd end up having to pay the, the, the costs of the attorney for the town, which could amount to who knows how many thousands of dollars. Right, so they've got you, they think they've got you because... They've got nothing to lose, and you've got a whole bunch to lose, and right. that's kind of the way, the way it goes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, now I listen to different talk shows and read different things, and I'm no expert, so I'm just going to throw this out there because okay. maybe, the, maybe some of your listeners would do some investigating on it, uh, whatever. But you mentioned a guy uh, a day or two ago, uh, a guy in Florida. Was his name Thompson or something? Uh, mm, some guy Jack Thompson? Just, some guy discovered that a lot of the judges down here don't haven't taken an oath of That's office. That's correct. Jack Thompson, who is widely known as the anti-video game violence attorney, yeah. uh, he was on the right side of things in that particular case where he outed right. those judges for, for not well, actually swearing an oath. Well, you can't throw the baby out with the bath. He, he's on the right path as far as the judges not taking the oath of office. And last year or so, and of course it, it, was, it, was, it was published for a little while, then it went down the memory hole, apparently like... Two-thirds of the judges in New York State haven't taken an oath of office either, hmm. which is kind of curious because apparently our system was set up, from what I understand, to where if you can only be governed through your consent, and right. your consent is done through the ballot box. Anyone who then you've given your Now, hold on. Before you, go, before you go on, I've heard that claim made in the past, and I don't know if it's true. Uh, I don't either, but I... I there's nothing explicit about that. I mean, yes, there was at one time here in New Hampshire a line on the voter registration form that said you'll agree to obey all the laws. I crossed that out. Turns out they actually changed the form. Now it doesn't have that line on it anymore. So it's never been really made too explicit that in any way voting equals consent. Well, I mean, if you follow it back, your constitution in your state has to be compliant with the federal constitution. If you read, if you read that, you realize that, you know, government is, you know the consent of the governed, but, and we do that through the process of electing a public official. Now, but anyone I never with, consented to the federal constitution. That was done by a, a small group of men hundreds well, of years yeah, ago. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of going, I'm going past that and saying, let's accept the system as it is. I mean, I, right. I understand when you're saying, what the heck is government, and hey, it's a bunch of BS anyhow. Right. But let's assume we're going to play according to the rules, Okay. and those are the rules that were set up. And anybody you deal with you have to have consented, and those have to be a public official. And apparently, a public official has to have taken an oath of office. Right. Those are the people who absolutely have consented because they have to swear to the oath, which says they, you know, agree to abide by and, you know, worship the Constitution or whatever and all the laws that are uh, right. applicable to it. So they are the only ones that I can tell that have actually explicitly uh, made it very clear that they consent. Well, anyone that you deal with, I'm thinking in, say, the tax, the property tax, 
they're nothing more than an employee because they're not an elected official. So somewhere up the line that commands somebody, the buck has to stop somewhere, and they are responsible for the person you're talking to. In other words, they might act like very arrogant and with, in their, act with impunity, but basically someone has to be responsible. And if you can, from what I understand, when you take an oath of office, you're also supposed, also supposed to basically post or you have to purchase a bond which ensures your good behavior which means you'll stay within the confines of your oath of office. I have heard, I have heard about that. So all judges and uh, I'm not sure if it's every single government office. Do, well, do you think they actually make every government bureaucrat buy a bond to get their job? That doesn't seem I don't, very likely. No, only if you're elected. Because you oh. see, when you become an elected official, you are a beneficiary of the people. I mean, I'm sorry, you're, you're, a, you're a fiduciary. So government other, bureaucrats you don't are, swear an oath? You're taking on a responsibility. Government bureaucrats don't take an oath? No, because they're all employees, from what I understand. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I they're think nothing it... but employees. But right. somewhere along the line, somebody is up, the, up, the, up you know, over you, or not over you, but has basically been given permission by you through the ballot box, and they have to have taken an oath of office. And the oath of office has to be accompanied by a bond. And it was specifically put there so that if you could prove that they had violated the oath of office, you can personally seize their bond. And typically, like a million bucks or something, it's quite a lot of money. Would now, they, uh, what, now with these judges that haven't actually taken an oath, would they even have a bond? Well, the thing is, more, more than likely from what I can figure, again, I'm no expert, I'm just talking here, okay. okay. But I think they're probably nothing more than what you'd call administrative hearing officers, and they're really not public officials. If you haven't taken an oath of office, even though they've been elected in, because all judges seem to be elected, from what I understand. Mm, I think it, it varies no, depending well, on the... the well, where I'm in here in Florida, you get elected. Generally, I think it's by appointment for at least for the you know state Supreme Court and some it, of the it higher courts. It varies by yeah. via state. But more than likely, whoever elected them, had, whoever appointed them, might have had to be elected, and they had to take an oath. That's probably therefore, true. Therefore, somewhere in the pecking order, you know what I'm saying, somebody is held responsible and does hold a bond, which ensures... I mean, it literally. But, is, but doesn't a government judge make the decision as to whether or not they violated their oath in the first place? Well, it's not up to them. If you can hold their feet to the fire and prove that they violated those oaths of office, you can seize their bond. Apparently. I would love to see if anyone has actually ever successfully done that, Tom. Me if you ever, if you ever find that out, let us know. And thank you for the call. Interesting discussion. I'm not sure that everyone is bonded. It may be that way in Florida, but I'm not sure that every state, elected official. Right. I'm not sure that state representatives in New Hampshire and other states or actually have a bond. More Coming up, you take control. This is Free Talk Live. What do you know? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us, and the features include the bulletin board system, uh, the live streams, the updates. We give it all away to you, and if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then just go and become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. You send three bucks a month to the program via any major credit card, PayPal, or an alternative option, and we will take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country and therefore spreading the message, or thereby rather, uh, spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So uh, you get perks too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room and forum, and more. Go and get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. Speak 
speaking of the toll-free amp call-in lines, we go to them, and we talk to Nick in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, just about that topic, uh, uh, Frank, I guess, uh, emailed you. You guys have been having an email conversation. He mentioned uh, a little town up in Minnesota where the roads and uh, everything is free, and he uh, – or not free, but uh, owned uh, – by the property owners themselves. Correct. Government uh, claims no ownership of any property in North Oaks, Minnesota, and the emails were uh, between myself and Fred Parcells here in Keene. Oh, okay, Fred. All right. Uh, well, basically, he, I, I think that the point isn't so much of, um, as uh, Sam from Texas made, uh, who was there, uh, who about the, uh, who lived there first, or who was born into the town but um, who owned the property first? Let's say that the Homeowners Association was built by a one singular company, and mm-hmm. uh, they built this land, or everything that was um, built on the land was built by the Homeowners Association. In that case, it would be their property. Thus, That's it would be completely just for them to maintain uh, who would come on that property, who would uh, live on that property, and everything else. Well, as now, it would be if the Homeowners Association was formed by 100% consent of the individuals living in a given area. So that would also be uh, a legitimate way for them to be formed as well. Yeah, what uh, Fred seemed to be confusing was that, um, uh, I'm not sure uh, exactly, that uh, people in regular towns... Uh, the towns own the land in the town, which isn't true. The towns have done absolutely nothing to mix their labor with the land. The they have not in any way homesteaded as you're... Yeah, they haven't home. That's exactly the principle that I'm getting at. It, the The idea isn't so much about um, who claims ownership as it is who homesteaded. Well, let me play devil's advocate because in many places, whether it's the municipality or the state or the county, the government did mix its labor with the land, it built the roads at taxpayer expense, but it was a government agency that built the roads. But it was was out of taxpayers' – well, it was extortion. If a uh, mob boss comes, takes your money, and uh, burns down your house, is that saying that you burned down your house? Well, I mean, it's, it's it's still a homestead if you're making the argument that labor on the land creating either a road or obviously buildings are done by private companies. Yeah, but no, we're not really even talking about uh, the roads so much as we're talking about what I claim is mine. I don't claim that the road is mine. I mean, it'd be nice if I owned the chunk of road out in front of my house, but that's not my claim. I claim to own the piece of property. Right, know. but unfortunately, if you're, if, I mean, if you're going by what the government's going to argue, is that most of the United States ha- has been incorporated based on the federal government either purchasing or simply conquering with the military mm-hmm. tracts of land and then allowing people in certain areas to vote and form a state. But it was granted from the federal government on down, with the exception of you know the 13 original states that created the federal government and uh, you know Texas and Vermont, a couple others, were their own countries that dis- joined relatively voluntarily. But basically what you've got is the government claimed to own the Louisiana Purchase is about half of the continental U.S. as it stands right now, the lower 48. So... 
that land was all purchased by the government before people ever lived there. But so, I think what Nick was getting at, or what how, uh, I think how that was it purchased. It was pur- purchased illegitimately. Correct. And what you're, what Nick problem. in Illinois is pointing out is that when a thief comes and steals your property from you, goes to the pawn shop, you know, takes your bicycle or your PlayStation Three or whatever, goes to the pawn shop and gets a couple hundred bucks, and then goes out and buys, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever it is that he buys with the $200, is that his property? What he purchased with this essentially is stolen money. Is that his property? And the answer is no. Legitimately, it is not. And so, therefore, anything that government claims ownership of is actually simply unclaimed property at this point. You can make that argument. Even if you said that it was a uh, originally a consensual government, the fact is that much of what, enough of what the government does today is so illegitimate that it, should be taken as um, a justified uh, process to give back to the people that it has stolen from. So that means that everything the government has done, even if it was originally consensual, has become illegitimate for what it's done now. I well, I'll certainly agree with you there that the the government has gotten so out of hand that you can't really make the argument that whether they were legitimate in the past in trying to impose what was essentially a voluntary government or not. At this point, some of those arguments don't really hold water anymore. We have to deal with the realities today. Nick, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no, that's about it. Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Coming up, we'll still talk about the Border Patrol, uh, but a quick story here from TriCities.com, where nearly everyone carries a cell phone, and it's hard to find one without that camera feature. It's convenient when you want to take an impromptu photo. But a Tri-Cities area man ended up behind bars after snapping a shot of... What do you think? What did he take a picture of? Um, that could have possibly landed him in jail. A naked child. Nope. Uh, actually, this time it was a clothed Johnson County Sheriff's deputy during a traffic stop. The cell phone photographer says the arrest was intimidation, but the deputy says, get this, he feared for his life. Scott Conover, who was arrested, says... Here's here's a guy who takes me out of the car and arrests me in front of my kids. For what? To take a picture of a police officer? The sheriff's deputy arrested Scott Conover for unlawful photography. Conover says, he says, you took a picture of me. It's illegal to take a picture of a law enforcement officer. He took a picture of the deputy on the side of the road during a traffic stop, and Conover was stunned by the charge. He says this is a public highway. And it was not a place where there was a reasonable expectation of privacy, as the Tennessee Code states. The deputy also asked Conover to delete the picture three times. He said, if you don't give it to me, you're going to jail. Under the advice of the Johnson County attorney, the sheriff would not comment, and the arresting deputy said he didn't want to incriminate himself by talking to us. In an affidavit, the deputy said he saw something black with a red light, which he thought was a threat. Conover was also arrested for pointing a laser at a law enforcement officer. He says, at no time did I have a laser. I had an iPhone. When you take a picture in the dark with Conover's iPhone, there's no flash or any light that comes from the phone that could be mistaken for a laser. In a witness statement by a Mountain City officer, it says the deputy asked about the picture rather than looking for a laser. If you arrested me, wouldn't you take the laser? If you arrested me, wouldn't you take the camera, said Conover? He expects the charges to be dismissed. He says the guy maliciously arrested me, charging me with phony charges that he didn't even understand himself. So it sounds like uh, that the ACLU may get involved in this particular case, and it does sound like Mr. Conover is willing to fight this particular injustice, which is good. 
Uh, but how outrageous that this is happening in the so-called land of the free where police will arrest you for photographing them because they, they'll claim that they were scared of well, your camera. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's that they're scared of the camera. It is outrageous, but I think what they're scared of is that maybe somebody's taking pictures of them who perhaps they arrested in the past. There are a lot of people out there who might have something against a given officer, and I think that's where that why they're concerned about pictures being taken to show you know this is where he's working now. He usually works this, this section of the highway. That's what they're. Man, that's I don't think a it's stretch. A, well, I don't think it's a legitimate concern yeah. exactly, but. I do understand why the police would be worried that they've pissed people off enough that somebody is going to try to track them down. That I would understand. I, I guess I could understand that, but in no way does it justify arresting oh, no. somebody for, for taking a picture. And I know you weren't making that no, argument. No, but it does point out that the laws that they're enforcing, and you know, obviously law enforcement officers or whether it's a defense contractor or whatever it would be under market paradigm, you would still have bad people out there that they would need to worry about, whether right. they were drug laws or laws against consensual acts. But certainly I think the the drug war has certainly created a situation where a large number of people in the public don't like the police, in addition right. to other wars on consensual behavior. So, Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's quite evident that bureaucrats of all shapes and sizes and all bureaucracies do not like the video or still uh, photograph camera. It is our greatest weapon against them, and the more of us we can get together with cameras in the same place, the more likely we'll be okay. This guy was all alone, and so they just ran all over him. Hour 3 coming up. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching at Hour 3 of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We get to your calls here in a moment about whatever you want, but... Uh, first, a quick recap of a story we discussed briefly last hour, where, at, according to TriCities.com, a man was arrested on a charge of unlawful photography for taking a picture of a police officer. And before you think that this is some sort of isolated incident, perhaps you're, perhaps you uh, may be new to Free Talk Live. This certainly is not an isolated incident. There have been uh, similar incidents in the past, but not only is it – it's not just an isolated incident from within the last week or so. Uh, over at Infowars.com, there's a video of some guy who was taking video footage of one of those uh, – police checkpoints that we're seeing so often in this country, and they said that he can't take a video of that. I haven't actually watched the entire thing, but uh, it got up to the point where he was encountering a cop who was demanding identification, first and foremost, and secondly, demanding he stop videotaping what is a public police presence. 
So the police are getting it into their heads that they are some sort of, and they've had this in their heads for a while, it's just getting worse, it's festering, uh, the, the idea that they are a separate class from the rest of us. You know, the fact is, if you're in a public place, and in this world we do have this concept of public property, where there, you know, there's government-owned land, it's not private, so there's nobody that actually can set any private property rules about it. You're on publicly-owned land, you have the right to videotape anybody else that is in your vicinity. As far as I can, as, you know, as far as I can tell, they may get uppity if you sell their visage, if you tape them and then turn around and make a profit off of that. They may actually, you know, be able to take you to court over that. But if all you're doing is videotaping and put it up, uh, putting it up on YouTube, then, from what I understand, there's no, uh, there's nothing objectionable whatsoever about that. Especially if the people you're videotaping are claiming to be so-called public servants. If you're on the job as a public servant, so-called, then you shouldn't have any problem with being videoed. But yet these police will harass absolutely anybody who pulls out a camera in their vicinity. One of our, one of our listeners was arrested for this. Brian, who was originally from Colorado, now living in New Hampshire, was arrested for videotaping some cops arresting another guy. They've actually gone so far, Nick, as a man who is on television at FreeMindsTV.com, they've arrested television photographers for videotaping the police. They, no, they don't, they don't like people videotaping them. I can remember there, was, um, uh, there were May Day protests in Los Angeles. There, oh, my goodness. There were basically pro-immigration rallies. And the police had claimed that people had thrown bottles and rocks at them, which later they always turned out to be that. questionable. Right. But they started firing tear gas and things into the crowd. And you can see on video, because there were many people with cameras there, some people were able to get footage of them taking news crew cameras and $50,000 cameras. Right, and just drop-kicking them, Sna- yep. you know, pushing down the cameraman and just kicking the camera. Which they is- assaulted uh, you know, the news ladies, too, the anchor women. Oh yeah, no, they were. I mean, they were attacking journalists who were clearly journalists, and they can get away with it whatsoever. They can get away with it because normally in those situations they are essentially decked out in all black. They've got the helmets. They've got uh, no name tags on whatsoever. So there's no way that you could ever hold those cops accountable. Even if you've got really good footage of one of these cops, their complete their identity is completely obscured. So first of all, the government police will very rarely even hold themselves accountable if you can identify the police officer in question. Very, very rarely does that happen. But in these cases, most of uh, the cases with the, the mass protests and the police responding to that, you can't even identify the cops. You oh, have no. no idea. They were completely, you know, in black right. fatigues without name tags Just on. faceless and... jackboots. Yeah. And well, that's... there's a reason that they're, they do it that way, and that is to make it so they can't be identified. Right. It's done in other countries, too, and it when people see it happening in a place like, say, Venezuela or China... They say it re- can't happen. Here. Right. Well, and it's recognized that one of the reasons that they're wearing black fatigues and masks is to shield themselves from the fact that they're abusing people's rights. When it happens in the U.S., people tend to, most people tend to play an apologist line for them, saying that they need to protect their identity because they could be targeted or something like Who that. Who knows what sort but, of rigmarole they'll but go through. It's amazing the different standard that people will apply for law enforcement officers in other parts of the world when they abuse mm. people's rights and when it happens here at home. It's right. very easy to point the finger at other people and, and pretend as though your house is in order when it's not. And then do a backflip and, you know, it's very easy to try to justify things 
and say that we don't have police state tactics being used in the U.S. because nobody likes to think that we live in right. a police state. Yeah, you, exactly. You really have. You really at this point, though, the police state is so obvious that you really have to, sh- you know, close your eyes and shut your ears and you know, yell la 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 la. You know, try to pretend like it's not actually going on because there's just overwhelming mountains of evidence out there. That it just can't be ignored anymore. News people being arrested and harassed for photogra- uh, photographing the police. Regular people being arrested for photographing the police. Checkpoints being set up everywhere. The, the airports are, of course, completely third world insane police state. And it just keeps getting worse. Now, it's not just happening here in the, uh, the United States. It's also happening in the United Kingdom, where, according to Manuel Laura at LouRockwell.com in the U.K., the Home Secretary has now authorized restrictions on photography. While there are no legal restrictions on photography in public places, local police are allowed to restrict or monitor photography in certain places. Now, according to Manuel, this is, of course, just a play on words. By no legal restriction, what's really meant is that no specific legislation has been passed. Yet because the local police are empowered to enact restrictions, then the restrictions do exist. Perhaps not fully formalized and codified, but it's there nonetheless. So indeed, the Home Secretary adds that decisions may be made locally to restrict or monitor photography in reasonable circumstances. That's an operational decision for the officers involved based on the individual circumstances of each situation. So they've left it wide open. They've essentially given the police carte blanche to just make up reasons based on what they consider reasonable to restrict your photography in the United Kingdom. Well, and the United Kingdom sort of has a tradition of of having sort of loose laws where they they allow a lot of latitude on the part of bureaucrats and law enforcement officers. There's a tradition of say, using terms like reasonable and yep. you know expedient and necessary. It, it, yeah, that's one of their favorites. It, and it's 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 almost worse than having a police state where the laws are explicitly spelled out because at least then. You know in what circumstances most of the time you're actually likely to encounter trouble. Oh yeah, it's somewhat less arbitrary. Right. So you at least know the rules you're playing. Then by, it's just the arbitrariness of the legislators, not the arbitrariness of the police officers. Right. But you know that in advance, as right. opposed to saying the police. Well, can, supposedly. Right. But the, you at least know you know, <laughs> when when they're supposed. You to could go and you. read it if you wanted right. to. Right. But at, at least you have that option. Whereas when the police have the latitude to simply arrest people for photography yeah. in w- whatever circumstances they deem reasonable. <laughs> you might as well be living in China. You might as well, because the police can pretty much argue whatever they want as far as a, a, a need of theirs or a, a reasonable restriction on people. Right. They, they, I mean, they do it time and time again, even when there's no law or they could say that, backing them up. They could say that wherever it is the police are investigating is a reasonable place for them to put restrictions on photography. There's an investigation going on here. You're interfering by your, by your photographing. Now... As uh, Manuel adds to the story, he says, and finally, for those who believe the state should be trusted to manage and balance our rights, I leave you with this, Jim. Quote, it's for the local chief constable to decide how his or her officers and employees should best balance the rights to freedom of the press, freedom of expression, and the need for public protection. So it's all in their hands. Trust them, right? You trust your bureaucrats, don't you? Oh, wait. No, they're putting our friends in jail cells for taking pictures. 
The original idea behind the police, for those of you that don't know, they call themselves law enforcement officers today, but they used to be called peace officers. In fact, if you dig around through the New Hampshire legislation, they actually still use the term peace officer interchangeably with uh, law enforcement officers. Yeah, I mean, in some countries, they don't have that tradition of the, uh, you know, the, the idea of the state was never that it was there to protect private property but around here it is around here it is and in some places though they they simply don't even have that tradition underlying their police state they have just a police state that is naked aggression right and it used to be that the peace officers would just keep the peace if there was somebody causing a problem they would be called in to deal with that this was this was unfathomable to the people that created those systems more coming up this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features, uh, by the way, include the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with a couple thousand of our listeners. Over 350,000 posts await you to surf around through serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And are you remodeling your kitchen or bath? Now you can purchase knobs, poles, and faucets at wholesale prices and support a business that supports Free Talk Live. Internobs.com. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL at checkout. That's Internobs.com. I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. Friendly service and wholesale prices for knobs, pulls, and more, all at Internobs.com. So we go to your phone calls about whatever you want. Let's start with, I believe, Dill in Minnesota, or excuse me, Missouri. Dill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, uh, it's Missouri. Yes, Missouri. And your name is Dill, right? Gill. Gil, sorry about that, Gil. What's on your mind tonight? Well, what I wanted to uh, talk to you about is a federal agent that uh, gave me a shot, an injection of cancer cells. Whoa, how'd that happen? Well, it all started out when I started taking photographs of UFOs at the place where I worked, which was the old prison in Jefferson City, Missouri. You were at and an I got old a lot prison. Of, uh, really good photographs of that, and I put them on my website. Hmm. Okay. And uh, which I didn't give you that location, that address for that, but I'd like to do that later. Maybe, maybe. Go ahead with your story, though. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, about a year or so after I started publishing that, I noticed that that I some things were going on that I was being, I thought I was being investigated and so forth. Actually, mm-hmm. what had happened? This federal agent had come into the area, and he had a task force of civilian professionals, doctors and dentists and uh, a lot of people that I go to to conduct business, and they follow me for a while, and then they put a tracking device on my vehicle. Wow. Now, how did you find all this out? I mean, what clued you into it? Because it's quite an amazing story, I, I must say. Well, I'll just give you one illustration. The other day I went to a store, and I... Well, no, no, I no, no not certain... the other day. I mean, when you say the other day, do you mean like last week, or are you talking about years ago? When, what no, does that I'm, mean? I'm talking about a, a week ago, something like that. Okay, but when did all this start? Was it just last week, or is this... No, no, it started... Uh, well, I started publishing the photographs and so forth back in 2002, and I had noticed this investigation going on in 2003. How did you, how did you get clued in in the beginning? How did you... you begin to see some people that don't talk to you anymore, uh, that very suspicious of you. They people that you, you had talked to in the past, they no longer talk to you? Right. 
Hmm. And that that when they that's what made you think that the the feds were were stalking you essentially. Well, I thought it was just part of it, and uh, the doctor that I go to or went to, he was acting very strange. Was that a, psych- a psychologist? Strange and personal question. What kind of doctor did you go to? (laughs) What kind of doctor? I really just want to know. What kind of doctor was it? An MD. An MD. Okay. Now, uh, I had had knee surgery coming up. Gotcha. And another doctor that specializes in that sent me to a, a doctor for a physical. That particular doctor didn't. Uh, examined me that day. The federal agent had disguised himself some like the doctor. And that's he just, he wow, me I mean, these feds are really going to jump through some hoops to keep, uh, keep tabs on you. You said the, the fed was disguising himself as the doctor, but he still didn't want to see you? That didn't want to see me. I thought you said the doctor didn't want to actually see you that day. Maybe I missed that point. The doctor, as far as I know, wasn't even in his office that day. The so where was the federal agent? The federal agent was, was posing as the doctor? Yes. Okay, got it. Now, what? let's have you speculate for a moment. What is it that you think the feds wanted to do? I mean, you were taking pictures of an old prison, which, I mean, was it shut down, the prison at that point? Not at that point. It is now. The federal government's taken over the okay. property. So you were on the, uh, you were taking pictures from the outside, right, of the, the prison? Yes, right. And, and, and the purpose of taking the pictures was what? Because I had seen a few UFOs in there in that area passing by and flying very low. The plot thickens. So, so, so you wanted to actually capture perhaps a UFO uh, in photographic form flying around the prison. Problem is, I got so many of them that it was uh, it was really exciting for me. I, I really didn't consider anything fearful at first, and I didn't think the government would object to it. You know, to me, it seemed like a great thing. Somebody can get some real close-up photographs. Now, how long did you know about these UFOs at the prison? I mean, was this something you discovered? Did someone tell you about it? How did you get clued in on that? Nobody would ever talk about anything like that at that location. I did see some uh, over the years that I worked there. I only saw three, but when I started taking photographs, I got uh, a lot that I couldn't see. Now, so, so you couldn't see them with your plain eyes, but you could see them when you took the photos? They were in the photos, right? But and the reason I took the pictures when I couldn't see anything was because I knew that there were some around, and so I went ahead and took the photographs knew, anyway. Wait, now hold on a second. How did you figure that out? I mean, if you knew, if you couldn't see them, how was it that you knew they were around? Did they implant something in you? The second one that I saw docked about 60 yards in front of me, and almost <laughs> well, uh, immediately after it docked, it went totally invisible. I wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, this just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Now they're docking somewhere? That's why. Where, that's right. Where are that's they docking? Are they actually docking that, on know, the prison? Instead of making fun and let's be idiots about this thing, you I'm can asking questions. Website, these are legitimate questions. All right. What's your website? Now I really want to see these pictures. Go ahead. Okay. All right. What's the website? The website is Cosmostarman, one word. <laughs> okay. Dot tripod. Oh no, not one of those websites. You you couldn't pay the you know, the five bucks to actually get your own website. You had to go with one of the freebie sites. That's right. All right, so it's cosmostarman.tripod.com. Right. And that's it, right? 
Right. All right. So people are going to go right now, and these are your photos that you claim that the federal government has injected you with cancer uh, for allegedly taking. Why is it they didn't just take your your camera and your photos from you? I mean, why go with the the roundabout route? Well, they could have. They've been in the house dozens of times, probably without a warrant, and they've also destroyed a lot of things. How do you know that? that? Do you you set up traps? My tripod and my camera. Do you set up like when I was a kid? They just ruined the flesh. When I was a kid, I used to set up uh, these little traps, these tells where I could tell if my little sister would come into my room, that sort of thing. Is that what you did? Is that how you could tell the feds have been in your house dozens of times? Actually, I passed them as they were leaving the house, and I was coming back from going to town or being out. Was it just kind of like, oh, oh, hi there? I mean, how did that go for you when you were well, passing? Oh, Mark's see, here. I'm sorry. They have a tracking device on my vehicle, way. so they know when I leave the, the house. The tracking I'm device. Here by myself, so right. there's nobody else to. So they could have gotten out. I mean, they were tracking your vehicle. They wanted to be seen, is what you're saying. You no, know, I love you. You, you. I'd be surprised you if too. you're not a, a fed yourself. <laughs> you think this whole thing is a big joke. I wish the feds would you're pay better. You're talking about people dying and. Other kinds of drugs being injected into them. Have and either of you been to the website yet? Uh, I, I, I've just pulled it up. Cosmo Starman. You. you don't want to hear it. You want to laugh. What are you talking about? We've had John for the entire segment. You, what do you want? Like a, a, a full two-hour interview, dude? Call, call us back another time. We've, you got out your website. You got your story out there. People can go and do their own investigation, and we'll talk about your pictures here in a moment. Mr. Starman, thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit (laughs) amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and those features include live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, both free for you. Enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com, and travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free. Go to webex.com and enter the promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx. That's webex, W-E-B-E-X.com. Enter promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx today. We just got off the phone with uh, Cosmo Starman who was trying to convince us that he is in on, uh, he has discovered or uncovered a plot by apparently all of the governments. Uh, According to his website, federal, state, and local governments are all trying to prevent him from releasing his revealing photographs to the public, though they haven't done a very good job of shutting down his his free tripod website uh, so far. And as predicted, or as uh, you might have guessed, Mr. Cosmo Starman's website, which is cosmostarman.tripod.com, is your typical long, rambling, crazy person's website. Uh, do you guys have any highlights you wanted to uh, point out about this? My favorite is the the Stargate claim. He actually, uh, is, this is a guy, in case you're just tuning in, who was taking pictures of an old prison, and I guess at the time it wasn't uh, in disuse, and today it is. 
his allegation is that there's a UFO that uh, apparently regularly docks uh, either with the prison or nearby. I didn't get exactly that information from him. Uh, but on his website, he actually claims that the UFO base has a Stargate involved in it. And I don't think there's any photographic evidence of the Stargate or even the base. But uh, interesting claims nonetheless. You guys have anything you wanted to highlight? Because there's a lot on this well, website. Uh, apparently he thinks we get a lot of uh, visitors from outer space because he, he says at one point that some call it uh, visitations, but he calls it an infestation. <laughs> so, right, uh, he, hi- he highlighted that in red. So apparently, yes, we're, um, we're infested with aliens who are visiting us for some reason. And for some reason, they put the base at the old state prison in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the levels of government are involved. This is a mass conspiracy, apparently. Just to give you highlights from some of the, uh, the, the titles of the pages, this is a multi-page crazy website, kind of like in the, uh, the form of timecube.com. Uh, let's see, page... Uh, of course, you get the requisite UFO sightings, uh, photo of a UFO freighter as well as an alien cruiser, uh, UFO heat vents, shields. Now, how does he know it's a freight ship? If it's alien technology, he, he can just... identify that there's a Stargate. I, mean, so I feel like they must have put something in his head because remember he he like knew that the ships were there. He, he was said the second us... time that they visited, something happened. But you know, yeah, yeah. But you you couldn't stop giggling, so he. Uh... He was was it didn't um, reveal that. I wanted to know how uh, how Mr. he knew. Mr. Toothy, what's that? I when he that. passed the feds in the road, I want to know how he know knew they were feds. He does mention. Uh, I mean, yes. what do feds drive? He he mentions alien of uh, an American vehicle, alien abduction in here at one point, but I can't really figure out if he's claiming he was abducted. We have had a couple of calls over the last uh, few weeks by these photographic crazies that have taken pictures. The last lady was a woman who took the Mars photos and attempted to color shift them to convince us that there were actually cities and uh, people and things on Mars. And I mean, it's just amazing that well, people her pictures, can look... she was clearly seeing nothing at all. She was seeing nothing at all. And this guy, I don't know what the hell he's. There's, there's lights some, and some stuff. Shaky old low resolution photos but but i'm just trying to imagine there what, could be ships in there i mean i I'm, I'm looking at them i'm seeing lights and stuff what do you want here, you know okay here's here's page eight photo of mr toothy mr toothy says uh cosmo starman was the name i gave to the alien who is the guide for the royal family and perhaps the pilot of the shuttlecraft okay i admit it i have the habit of naming these ghost aliens based on their appearance and mr toothy had an outstanding set of teeth a brief description will explain. He had a body that was very similar to the other aliens, and only his clothing was mostly all gray. About that, aliens actually wear clothing just like us. Interesting. Anyway, he said uh, he was of medium height, and there was nothing outstanding about him except his head and mouth. And he says that his head was huge, much too large for his average-sized body, shaped like an egg with a small rounded tip at the bottom where the chin would be. And he goes on to talk about how he was apparently a personal assistant to the royal family. How he gets this knowledge and information, I I don't know. I mean, you'd have to dig and dig and dig through this long, long website with the obscure, blurry photos. I just wonder what, how much time does this guy must spend his all of his free time, and maybe he's retired and. I just am amazed. We're so wealthy in America, aren't we? We're so wealthy that people have the the free time to go crazy like this and put up websites like CosmoStarman.Tripod.Com. I mean, there's no better example of a kook website than this one. 
Anyway, we won't harp on this too much because we could pick it, we could spend the rest of the hour on it. I always feel so bad for these uh, these folks. Get some help, people. Get some help. I don't know where you would go to get help on this one. Psychiatrist. I don't think that it matters. I think you know you, if you therapy? believe in, if you believe in um, UFOs, you believe in UFOs. If you believe you're seeing them. If you believe you're talking to them. If you believe you're uh, in contact with the uh, ro- the ambassador from the royal family. Yeah, um, if you're happy, I guess that's. I, I don't yeah. think you know, I don't know what the, I don't know what there is to do about that. But he believes he's been injected with cancer. That was what he started his call with. You missed mm. it. You missed that yeah, part. I I and, and again, we didn't have the you know 24 uh, segments we would need to actually interview this guy and ask him every question that we could possibly think of. Anyway, in the meantime, we go to uh, your calls about what you want. Mike, on the line in New York, listening to some pirate station. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Mike, in New York, going once. Mike, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Not much. Uh, Alex Jones was talking about um, uh, something with the police, that they ran the plate, and they say handle with care. Who said that? I have no idea uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, we're in the dark. What do you mean? Who said handle with care? I heard, I was listening. To, I listened to his show on the television or on the radio, and okay. I, um, quite often. All right, and, and this is not that show. Why are you calling us about it? Well, this is the number I got off the radio. Well, is his show? Oh, you think that Alex is uh, Alex Jones's show is on right now? And I don't know what time it is on. I number. think it's, isn't it from noon to three yeah, or something it's in the like that? Middle, maybe it's the same call-in number, which is what's confusing. I'm sure it is. So I just want to understand what you're getting at there. What is it you're suggesting was happening? Well, he said anywhere in the country that could give him information about, because it happened to his father or something. They got stopped. They ran the plate, and the plate come up him and handled with care, and he wanted to know what it was. You're saying that the cop... On their little laptop when they're in the car punching up plate numbers, it said that I don't to know the cop. Laptop or they got a built-in computer. New York's built-in computers built right in their car. Yeah, but you're saying that's what came up on the police computer was handle with care for the individual that owned the car. Like a warning. Yeah, it was him. It was his car. He sold it to his father, and his father got stopped. You're saying that Alex Jones, the radio show host, was making this claim, or the caller was yeah, making it? Yeah, just now. I was listening to it on the radio. Okay. Well, um, so what did you have to say about that? Were you, were you just wanting to tell us about what you heard I on the radio? I what information I know about it because I've had similar experiences. That we they, up here they call it a red flag. You're, and so you're a police because officer? I'm a, I'm a secured party. A secured uh, party. I deal in the redemption in law. Oh, I've you're one of those guys. You, you're one of the I've guys got, that you're one of those guys that uh, accepts for value and tries to actually uh, essentially uh, scoot out from underneath uh, credit obligations. Well, no, I I go about it a little different because uh-huh. a lot of that stuff don't work. Oh, okay. What like is that. it you do? You've got about thirty seconds to tell us. But I I um, what I do is I took control of the uh, the, the uh, artificial entity known as Ends Legacy. That's your name in all capital letters. Okay. Which is a corporate entity the government created of you, so you're going to accept all fines, fees, taxes, and liabilities of the artificial entity, which doesn't exist, and uh. You can you can research it. It's all in the it yeah. We've actually heard about the uh, Abraham Lincoln. Right. We've heard about the uh, the all capital letters thing, and it's very very interesting. But you're actually using it to are you using it to like charge stuff up on your credit card and then not pay the no no fees? no. You're not doing no. that. Okay, that's because that seems like that seems really legal, dishonest. Legal to me, purposes you know? only because of the fact that since the government's commercialized, it deals in artificial entities. That much is true. I agree with you on that. And, and I uh, use it. And, and I, when I walk into court, I have to, I have to, they have to, 
I, they have to... Uh... You'll have to call us back and tell us more some other time. i got to take some more calls, but very interesting. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can promote the show by going to promote.freetalklive.com, learning about the various simple, easy-to-accomplish ways to help Free Talk Live get into more people's ears. Uh, Just go to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll discover that one of the most important ways is the voting process. We need you to go to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. Uh, we're still trailing behind, as I understand it, the number one show. Yeah, we're uh, in the number two slot. Um, we can close the gap. We're, we are closing the gap. But um, we need your help. But it's it, it, to me, it's just offensive. You know, there's 36, uh, was all we need is 37 votes in order to uh, be in the number one slot. Yeah, but think about it, Mark. I mean, we're up against the Harry Potter guys. I mean, Harry Potter is a worldwide phenomenon, and Free Talk Live is like a secret like, people don't hardly even know about Free Talk Live. I understand what you're saying, but I, I know what uh, our performance is as, as far as votes on a monthly basis. We can do and, better. Yeah, we can we could definitely do better. So, so we need you. Hop on it, do it now. If Please, you haven't if you done want. it, it's once a month. Go to vote.freetalklive.com and cash your vote for the show. It makes a big difference for us, helps uh, new people find the show, and helps us uh, impress the advertisers as well. So, again, vote.freetalklive.com. You really can call about anything on this program. Uh, you know, the last guy was incoherent as hell. I don't know how he does anything successfully in a courtroom. Uh, what he was talking about this. Well, I think he thought he was calling into a different show, though, so I'll give him credit. I think yeah, he that's true. A level of understanding that, uh, you know, that we simply did not have. Maybe we should have our uh, board operator specify. He probably already does it, and he just didn't hear it. That you Thank you for calling Free Talk Live. What's your name? Not that that'll necessarily get through to some of these people. But anyway, we continue. Uh, with Brent in Colorado, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brent. Brent, Colorado, going once. Hi. Brent. Hello. You're on I'm the air. Here. Hey there. Well, I just have a quick question about your, or, well, a comment, I guess, about your conversation about the FCC in relation to Comcast the other day, or I guess yesterday. Yes, where the FCC um, is going to be sanctioning Comcast for restricting some of the uh, the Internet access of some of their clients. Yeah. Well, and I, I got to say that I'm not uh, find this to be one of the less offensive things government's currently doing. Um, just because, for instance, I in the city I live in, the only cable internet available is Comcast. The okay. reason for that is not because they're a giant mega corporation or because evil capitalism. It's because they're the only ones allowed to put up cable lines in the city by the government. Correct. It's a government yeah, exactly. instituted monopoly. They're, they're the only. You know, if I try to go out and start a company and put up cable lines, I'll end up some in jail or something. That's probably, correct. If, in the long run, you know. And so I got to say, when <laughs> you know, at, at that point, you're using gov- government guns to enforce your monopoly. And as far as I'm concerned, you're basically a government. Organization at that point. It's You're true. Basically a government Collaborator. Collaborator. And, it's a good and point. I don't, 
I actually thought about bringing it up last night, but I let it. I let it be uh, probably because I didn't want to go up against Gardner's uh, superior intellect. Uh, but you, you're pointing out that uh, that that Comcast and other um, companies like that are essentially corporations that have gone to the government looking for liability protection, and so they exist at the behest of the government. Uh, yeah, and so, exactly. therefore, you're saying I mean, if the government wants to regulate and control them in the, whatever ways it chooses, well, they've asked for it yeah, basically. Tough cookies. I don't I don't feel too bad for them, frankly. That's that's all. And and truthfully, Comcast is because. They basically don't have any competition. The only other choice here is DSL, you know, and it's not as fast. And well, you and know, that, of that all you know, of you that call said, Comcast and you're going to be on the phone for a long time speaking to idiots that don't, you know. I mean, it's just it's a horrible company to try and deal with. And but Brent, to be fair, to, to be fair, to same, same, same with your uh, phone company that offers DSL. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, now exactly. to be to be fair to what the point Gardner Goldsmith was making on all that was that this is evidence that the FCC is getting it into their head that they can <laughs> begin to regulate content matters on the internet, and that is a pretty chilling precedent. So you you do that, understand that, is, that part, right? That is disturbing to me. Yeah, right. that that is bad to me. But I just. I, don't feel sorry for Comcast. Well, that's all. I'm, I'm not going to shed any tears for Comcast. I understand what you're saying. I'll shed some tears for Freedom, but Comcast can can suck it as far. Well, <laughs> Fair enough. Sure, I, I agree enough. with I agree with you on that. And it's always the people that you uh, that, that that are least popular, the ones that uh, you know have their freedom right. gone after. And in this case, it's a a, a company. Now, uh, it's not the FCC that uh, allows only one cable company in your town to that's offer you true. cable. It's the local government. The local government could say. Look, we'll allow as many cable companies as uh, want to be in this town as possible, but the FCC yeah. still went after Time Warner, so they're unrelated issues. Comcast. Excuse me, yeah, Comcast. Comcast. Yeah. So, you, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on your on your points, but uh, as Marcus is is pointing out, still we need to stand up for liberty, even of those uh, icky corporate uh, corporate entities that might happen to be in bed with the government. Though I think it's important that you pointed out what you did. Though you know, let's let's say that you went and started up your own internet service provider without getting government regulated, as far as going through being a corporation and all that. Let's just say you started it as uh, as an individual. You just started providing yeah. internet access. I don't think well, that would that stop the off. I don't think that would stop the FCC from coming in and, and waving their, uh, you know, waving their threats around at you. Do you? Yeah, it depends how how wireless and anonymous you can be. <laughs> you know, there's a guy. In well, the FCC does have trucks who, they can drive around and they can triangulate your position, so they could find true. you. There is a guy in my apartment building who provides uh, a couple of other apartment denizens here with uh, with internet at reduced bandwidth, obviously, because he's basically just using a wireless router, and yeah. for ten bucks a month they get the code to the Router. <laughs> and you it's know, small fry whatever, stuff, you know, so the FCC is not going to get involved in something tiny like that. But just the, the, the yeah. point is they could if they wanted to, and what would you do about yeah. it? The, you couldn't tell them, well, I'm not a corporation. They wouldn't really care about that. <laughs> no, they, they probably wouldn't. Thanks, Brent, for the call. Appreciate hearing from no you. Problem. Let's continue and talk to Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy in Montana going once. You got, when did you guys become federal agents? Mm. It was sworn in last night, actually. Uh, been in the works it, for a while. Um, I, you, you might have already talked about it, and I might have missed the show, but I was wondering uh, 
how that uh, Fork Fest went over, and if you guys are going to do it next year, maybe. Oh, yeah, we'll be there next year, barring any unforeseen circumstances, and Pork Fest went very well. We broadcast live from there for three uh, three nights, Pork Fest being the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com, is a good place to get more info on what's going to be coming next. I don't think they've announced any details yet, but that will be the uh, the website to go to to learn more. Why are you planning on coming out and uh, enjoying the SACL CAI fun tent? Oh, yeah, I'd like to check it out sometime. Will that be your second annual then, Ian? Uh, that'll be our third, actually. We've been to this is this was our second, and so the next one will be our third. And it's a wonderful time to anybody that doesn't know about it. It's the free staters and interested parties uh, getting together here in New Hampshire and having a good old time with one another and uh, socializing and libating. And you sound like a fun tent kind of guy, Jeremy. Well, was it? Uh, thank you. That- did you have more people this year than last year? I think so, yeah, actually. I think they uh, they did better this year, and I know next year that they'll probably do even better, and it will continue to see growth. And I appreciate the inquiry, and thank you for the call tonight, Jeremy. 800-259-9231. Let's continue and talk to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. You know, what you were saying about the police departments, I think this has gone a little too far, and I think the people need to remind the police departments that they work for us. You mean we the cops You mean the cops arresting people for uh, pulling out a camera, videotaping? This is ridiculous. But well, the they is- don't work for you, Paula. See, that's the thing. Like, you'd like to believe that they work for you because they, they say to we protect and serve. Well, yeah. The, the money that's stolen from us goes to pay their salaries. Right, yes. right. Well, the the, the city is, manager that, pays their salaries. I think that we need to go, each state needs to go to the representatives and get a bill passed saying if they are mistreated in any way, they are to be let go. Who's, wait, who's, wait, who's going to get let go? people need to go to their legislators in their state and get something done about this. So the police would be let go if they mistreat people? Is that the yeah. idea? But it doesn't it doesn't work out that way. Like that's a nice thing to say, but the police are so entrenched, Paula. We've seen where the police have not just arrested people for cameras, but have murdered people and gotten away with it. I mean the the legislators aren't going to be able to change that. Just because they write some new law down doesn't mean that the police won't protect one another as we've seen them do time after time. And I understand there are some good guys in the policing profession, but you know, the fact is if the bad apples are getting away with bad things, then the good guys are just keeping silent, which means they're not doing good they're just keeping silent because they're afraid to do is clean house over this entire government well i agree with that i think we should just clean the government right that right the hell out of the house and forget about them because there's no reason to uh to have a government around because it it results inevitably in tyrannical oppression like we've been talking about tonight and yeah, do I so something too, I want to let you know. Ron Paul is still going for president. Okay, get out of here. Is this he this is. is fresh breaking news? Have either of you heard well, this? I talked Ron to Paul? Jim in Washington when Jim. they had their march up there, and he said he is still up for president. Okay, well, everybody's going to write him in on the ballot. All right, well, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it, it can't it's hurt. Legal. It might yes. be what I do. Hey, Paula, thanks for the call tonight. In fact, speaking of Jim's in Washington, I'm working on getting Jim Babka. Uh, back on the program to talk about Downsize DC. I know they've uh, been busily working on launching a brand new website, so hopefully he'll come on to tell us about that. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. 
finalized the contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.